and now I that composer quest is coming on tonight. Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and this podcast is my way of sharing composing and songwriting advice from all sorts of creative people. This is the 99th episode. And so it's a little bit of a special one. I got to talk with a Composer Quest superfan, Dan Wheeler, who's been listening to the podcast more than probably anyone else. Dan shares his top 10 favorite moments from the podcast and how they helped him as a composer. Before we get started, just wanted to mention that any of these episodes that Dan talks about can be found at composerquest.com top 10. You can find all of the Composer Quest episodes at composerquest.com or by subscribing through iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to get in touch with me, email me, charlie at composerquest.com, or find Composer Quest on Facebook or Twitter. Now let's get on to my talk with Dan Wheeler. Hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Not bad, thanks. So, yeah, it's a pleasure having you on the show here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. So I think you hold the record, as far as I've heard, of people who have listened to the podcast every episode, (laughs) two times. That's right, that's right. Um, Actually, I listened to uh, a couple of them uh, three times because I forgot which one was the first one I listened to. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So uh, as far as music goes, I I got started when I was um, really little. I remember my mom asking me if I uh, was ready to commit to taking four years of piano lessons when I was four years old. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, I regretted that pretty soon thereafter, but then uh, but then it all worked out. I ended up uh, studying some piano um, in college and very classically trained. And I was I was a weird kid that uh, only liked classical music, um, which made me, as you can imagine, you know, super popular with all the other kids in oh, school. Yeah. But uh, I had a huge breakthrough. Uh, at the end of middle school where uh, I was intending to be open-minded and hear some uh, rap music. I was going to listen to some Run DMC and uh, borrowed a cassette from a friend, but it turned out that the tape in the cassette holder was uh, Appetite for Destruction instead. So uh, I actually became a Guns N' Roses fan really quickly (laughs) after I heard that. (laughs) <laughs> and then all of a sudden I, I was more open-minded and started being interested in lots of other music and really got into uh, like jazz band and learned to improvise or taught myself to improvise at first. And then, you know, long after college, I um, took some like, jazz improvisation lessons and that really helped me out. Nice. Yeah. The recordings you sent are, were really good of your jazz tunes, like yeah. Sandbox. The melody at the beginning is really cool, and it's so sparse, and almost sounds improvised, but is that, like, 
the standard intro that you do? Yeah, it's basically, I can't remember, I guess it's probably like 12 bars total, I think. I just, uh, kind of like if you get uh, like a fake book and you look through, like, you know, especially like some tunes that are based on the blues, you know, there'll be like 12 bars of melody and then that's the tune. your group the origami cats <laughs> um no that was a group that i uh set up when i was uh living in uh tallahassee uh but uh that was uh several years ago and uh when i moved the other guys didn't move with me for some weird reason and so uh since then i've not been gigging as much i've been finding um, opportunities here and there, but uh, my lifestyle has kind of made it more difficult to do that. And that's um, a big part of the reason why I've uh, had this resurgence of interest in composing, writing music. Yeah, that's cool. What is your uh, day job? Yeah, I'm a software developer. All right, cool. Yeah, nerd, they, whatever. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we... We all are probably who listen to this show and <laughs> compose. Um, but what have you been learning so far in your getting into composing in the traditional sense? Right. So, uh, well, the first like, major compositional undertaking I took was uh, when I was in high school. For some reason, I got the crazy idea that since I was in a concert band, I should write a song for the concert band because then they could play it. And uh, I got a lot of support from my band director at the time. And yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I used like very primitive um, software tools to help me with that. Music maker. I can tell you long, very boring stories about using, using that. But uh, yeah, I ended up with a bunch of notated music and handed out the parts. I got to conduct the performance at my high school. It was fantastic. Wow. Um, after that, I didn't really do much writing. I did a little bit here and there. I took a, a guitar with me to college and, uh, you know, wrote, wrote a few songs there. But uh, it wasn't until after I got out of college and got out of the Navy and then I decided I wanted to try to write some jazz tunes while I was studying um, some jazz piano. And that's when I wrote um, Sandbox. And actually, I probably wrote, you know, a couple dozen other tunes like that. But uh, now... I've been going back to trying to write more traditional, notated, instrumental music. And uh, the first thing I tried to do was write a brass quintet. 
inspired by the space shuttle program. And I had huh. very high grandiose hopes and visions for, for that. And um, honestly, it was not good. And I was very disappointing. It was very hard for me to accept that. And uh, I then started, no, I did, but I decided that I wasn't done. <laughs> I, I need to try something else or I need to like, start fresh on a different piece of music or something. So I started trying to write a string quartet and I started looking um, to see if I could find some subject material that I could look at that would help me kind of find my footing the right way and kind of inspire me a little bit. I was hoping there, was, there would be maybe like a podcast or something like that where somebody would have kind of the right kind of material to help me along based on where I was. Because, you know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of classical music training. I own music theory and, you know, I have a lot of now jazz experience and, and theory understanding, but I didn't have the compositional chops. And I was looking for something that wouldn't insult me but I was also looking for something that um, would inspire me and intrigue me. And man, when I found Composer Quest, I just, it just really hit a sweet spot for me where the, the, the material was really interesting. I, you're, the idea of getting to see somebody come up with the theme song on the spot, that was just the super coolest thing ever. And then so as soon as I – I don't remember which episode of yours I listened to first – but the very next thing I did was I went back and I listened to episode number one. And the <laughs> theme song that the guy came up with for episode one just so catchy that <laughs> like, I didn't think it was yeah. very good when I heard it. I was like, well, that's not very good. But man, it just it just sticks with me and I just really remember it. And uh, uh, so I just thought it was just awesome that, uh, you know, getting to hear all these other guys come up with. There's been some really good ones, some really good, good theme songs. I really enjoyed that. But uh but yeah, the combination of being inspired by these other people at different points in their like knowledge and experience and their careers and or double careers or coming back to music again um, and has has really been great. But then I'm just like you're you put in just enough of these other like psychological and other like analytical kinds of um, you bring in these guests that are just so intriguing and that their materials. I don't. I don't know if I've been able to directly apply some of these um, higher or more abstract psychological concepts, but they keep me coming back for sure. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks. That's really awesome to hear. Um, maybe we could just launch into your top ten list of your favorite moments on the podcast because I'd I'd be curious to see to hear like what. And for people who are just maybe getting into the podcast now, like which parts should they look back at? All right. Yeah. So uh, I have 10 and uh, they're kind of in different categories. I have a category that was um, most directly useful to me right now for where I am. Um, I had four of those. Cool. And the one, and this is the one, this is, and so this one is the one that um, immediately came to mind when you asked me about, you know, what are the most memorable things or most helpful moments for me in, in the podcast. And uh, it was uh, Jenny Katz. She was talking about getting into writing music late in her career. And she actually came from, from writing and she entered all of these contests or programs where you, you write something 
every day or every week or that kind of thing. And she, you know, had to find time in her regular day. And there would not necessarily be that much time, but just doing it. it you had no time to be so critical. You know, you couldn't say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, but, you know, it'd probably be better if... It's just like, well, finish it. <laughs> you just got to finish it. It has to be done by the end of the day. That alone kind of helped me get through, like, really difficult, um, <laughs> frustrating chunks of time where, like, I just feel like I don't have the time. Uh, or second top moment, which was the idea to be prepared to not have a lot of, like, golden hits, <laughs> basically. Write a whole lot, and if you're if you're lucky, you know you eventually you'll get to that like that hundredth one or that hundred and first one, and then that one may be you know really really just great. And actually, there were two of your guests that basically made that exact same point that um, stuck out to me: Laura Marie and uh, Patrick Kurtz. A lot of people just think, okay, I can play guitar now, and I've written like five good tunes. Let's just milk these five good tunes as much as you can. You know, it's not going to be your fourth or fifth song that's going to be your best song. It's going to be like your fiftieth, sixtieth, hundredth song. You know that you've written. That seems like like an obvious piece of advice, but uh, it's been especially going back to my brass quintet that I feel like I crash and burned on. Um, I, I needed to hear something like that. Um, third one is the idea of using and developing just one idea in your piece. Don't just add an, a new idea. Like when you get stuck or you don't know what to do next, don't come up with a brand new idea and then try to make that work. Use and develop that one idea and do something good with that. And I, I, I definitely struggle with that. Um, especially like trying to write choral music, I have trouble fitting the words. Like I like to use pre-existing words, but I try to fit the words to rhythms and musical lines. I usually don't end up repeating (laughs) unless the source material is very um, like structured. Um, So I think uh, that was uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Campbell who um, made that point. My composition professor Uh in college. There you go. Very wise man. Yeah. For me, I always seem to find my way into a piece with a single idea. You know, it might be a chord, it might be a texture, a motive, but it's it's kind of like I get that, I like it, and things begin to unfold. That's something that I've learned from composers of the past and which I really admire, which is to try to make everything interrelated. The idea of the organic metaphor where everything grows from a little seed or everything is is composed of the same musical DNA, so to speak. Yeah, and the last of my uh, um, group that that were the most useful to me immediately right now was uh, your guest, Torley. He mentioned perfectionism therapy. You don't need perfection. Write something, be happy with it, and then move on. Yeah. Otherwise, I just I, I have definitely have a tendency to like get something down, and then I think it could be a little bit better. Maybe if I move this note over just a little bit longer, or maybe I should have more voices at the same time, or whatever. But I think it's much better. Let it go and move on to the next next one. 
Yeah. I like that he made a whole album. <laughs> it's called Glitch, too. But <laughs> the whole idea is anti-perfection. Yeah. Glitch for me is, again, that surrender of losing a part that you meant to keep under lock and key and, and being all right with that. Another beautiful example is when monks come together and they create a, like in the Eastern spears, Tibetan even, I think the mandala, and all this colored full sand. And by the end, it has something so beautiful, but then they blow it away. And, and all that sand just gets mixed up. It goes back to its state. So in recognizing in sort of way, there's a sadness, uh, almost melancholy of that transience in life that, yeah, you've created art, and maybe people, they want to live on forever, whether it's through their children or through creating art. They want to be recognized and have that sort of echo in eternity, <laughs> as some people say. But there is a beauty, too, with something having its moment, then it's a memory. And then that memory becomes fallible. So it's, it's a scary and beautiful thing at the same time. But I think that heightened expression keeps things fresh because as we get older we have less first-time experiences. And so some people feel like, oh, when I was young, every day going to school was an ordeal. I would re remember that. But then when you get older, like uh, the drudgery of everyday work, and you forget that. So I think in some way for me, Glitch represents a sort of beauty of, hey, there can be surprises. There can be new first-time serendipity. Yeah, that, um, yeah he, he was fantastic um, and so memorable. And uh... Yeah, very philosophical guy too and yep yeah <laughs> i love his youtube channel <laughs> yeah definitely um next i had a uh a top moment that is helpful for me to uh figure out how to continue pursuing my musical interests um similar to you i like to do lots of different kinds of things. I like to write different kinds of music. And your guest, I already mentioned, Patrick Hertz, he said to segregate your different marketable personas so that you can have success. You know, like try to, you have to figure out who your target audience is going to be so that you can be successful reaching them with, you know, a subset of your work because. There's probably not anybody, certainly not a segment that's going to be interested in all of your work. One of my favorite songwriters, Ryan Adams, has branded himself as a multiple genre artist. But you look at his projects and they're all branded differently. One of his first projects was Whiskey Town. That was an alt country band. But then you go to Ryan Adams' uh, next albums and it's clearly a totally a different emotion. You can kind of feel, sense his flavor of songwriting, but it's a different concept. And he branded himself as a solo artist. He then went on to write a metal album at one point in his career that's a legitimate metal album. He branded that with a different name. You know, you go to The Cardinals, which was another group that he did collaboratively with a bunch of musicians. That definitely has its own sound too. It's a little bit more in the vein of Whiskey Town, but he branded it differently. I thought that that was super helpful and just helped me kind of figure out a way to focus. Like I didn't know what to put on a website or on a SoundCloud or whatever, because it yeah. seemed too random. Yeah. You said you had a plan for kind of expanding your website and <laughs> online presence. What, what are you thinking with that? Well, um, 
I guess the main thing is uh, I'm not going to try to make it clear to anybody if they, you know, who comes to a, a web presence of mine, um, you know, what all I do. So I'll have like a SoundCloud account that is going to be like music that I'm composing that is, you know, like instrumental chamber music, that kind of thing. And then I'll have something else like I have like the, the jazz music you know I'll, I'll put that somewhere else and uh, so I'll just I'll, I'll keep them separate I'll have my like primary website for people that actually know me and like you, they could get to any of those different places but uh, um, I'm gonna not try to make like one big website that just has it all it'll just be more of a hub yeah no I think that's a good idea I I've struggled with trying to put all my music on one page and you know it's a little bit clunky but sure well i mean on talking about clunky i made the horrible mistake of deciding that uh i would record all of my um jazz gigs and i i made it uh archival i have like when i had the the origami cats trio i had Every gig, I, I brought a horrible quality MP3 recorder that I set on the keyboard or the piano, wherever I was, and I just record the whole thing, and I went to the trouble of chopping it up into different songs, but I didn't go any further than that. I had these terrible recordings, and I put them all online, you know, so somebody could go listen to them if they wanted to, but it was completely unedited. The huge, big mis biggest mistake I have right now is I don't have any pointer or clear focus on, you know, a couple of solid samples that are actually attention grabbing or you know highlights my 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 best work <laughs> sure so um where were we in your all right so uh, so we're, we're halfway so uh or count up i don't know yeah, it counts up all right, so next i just have um like just some super cool episodes or moments that just really stuck with me and i don't know if i'll be able to use them directly um but maybe um one that comes to mind is uh Dr. Vicky talking about earworms and kind of figured out that the most important characteristic defining an earworm is that it'll just be singable. The things that came out really strongly as predicting earworms were basically the length of the notes and the pitch intervals. And so if you had longer notes and smaller gaps between your notes, that was what was common to the earworm tunes that was not common to their placebos. And we looked at it and said, well, hey, that's, that's what makes the tune easier to sing. And that ties in really nicely with our evidence that actually it's people who sing along to music are the ones who are more likely to report frequent earworms. It's amazing how often writing parts that are singable, writing songs that are singable, that just the concept of being singable, trying to, trying to sing the part yourself, it seems to keep on coming up um, in different contexts. So that seems like a really important concept and it's, it was just amazing to me that that is oh, like how so many of these songs get stuck in my head, whether I want them or there or not. Yeah. So another just really cool thing was um, I, Michael Chadwick writing soundtracks for basically home videos. It's you know amazing you know what a difference it can make to that home video, but also it's a fantastic focus for like an exercise or something like that. Uh, um, the, the, I'm worried so much about uh, 
copyrights of, of material and like I don't want to write something that I can't use and I like the idea of like I, I'm interested in dabbling and writing um, you know music to go along with video and home video yeah. just write like write music for your for your own stuff <laughs> it doesn't matter how mundane it's amazing um, you know what that can do I thought that was a really cool idea I don't know of anyone else who has done a time lapse of themselves doing the dishes. <laughs> um, but yet. Oh man. But it's cool that you, you made a soundtrack to your life, basically. You know, literally <laughs> a day in your life, even. Yeah. And well, and you going to the office eating a muffin. Yeah. I love kind of looking at situations in a completely different way than you're used to looking at it. I, I, I can't help but recall if I t- when I tell other people about your podcast, um, the uh, awesomeness of your your back to back synesthesia episodes were unintentional. <laughs> yeah, um, that was that still is maybe the coolest moment for me. Yeah, well, uh, I'll agree with you. That was awesome. So that was like was that was Mary Beth Hutland and Warren Hildebrand. Yeah. Yeah. I can't explain to you why it is a certain piece is a certain color, but the minute I hear it, I'm like, okay. And I don't even necessarily think about it consciously. It's just as a color. Listening to Minnesota Orchestra, it's not like suddenly they all become blue or something like that. But somewhere in my mind, there is that color and it's an immediate association. But when I'm listening to the orchestra, I turn it off sometimes too, like ignoring that little part of, it's sort of like that voice in the back of your mind telling you something, something, something sometimes especially when I'm learning my own music as a performance major sometimes that would get in the way and it's like I have to worry about the technical part of this piece I can't worry about that side huh and sometimes you know even listening to the Minnesota Orchestra it's like okay this is distracting me and for all the things I've done in the past I've actually always started with artwork and then built the songs around that to try and like match it in a really kind of arbitrary way I guess I don't really know how to explain it it's just kind of like an unspoken link between a Imagery and music, and you know, I actually um, kind of a form weekend. of synesthesia, I guess. <laughs> What's that? Oh, kind of like a almost like a form of synesthesia, I guess, where these weird things overlap, and like music as colors, or you kind of hear certain music from like looking at images or colors or something, just just weird stuff like that. Does that actually happen to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's something I kind of uh, experience. Some just like getting almost like color sensations from like certain music or listening to things and seeing them as like these images of like tones in my mind, I guess. And it's kind of just like reverse engineering from that and trying to kind of bridge photography and music. I don't know. I'm not very articulate with it, but that is... This is the strangest coincidence. This weekend, two days ago, I interviewed someone who actually is synesthetic also. Oh, really? Yeah. And she has... This same thing where she thinks of an image and suddenly music comes to her. Oh, wow. That's, that's crazy. That's so wild. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a cool coincidence. Yeah, I, I don't know really anybody else uh, really that has that same thing happen to them. Warren actually just released uh, a CD that's, well, it's going to be like a tape like his other things and vinyl, I think. But anyways, it was just streamed on Pitchfork. So he's doing really well right now. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, Mary Beth um, is here in Minnesota and she's been doing all the composing quests along with us. And 
Actually, her, I don't know if you saw this or not, but the n- new quest is with Mary Beth's trio um, and Maya Heyman's trio. So, writing Halloween Halloween themed music for their trio. So, you should definitely do one of those, I think. All right. And, yeah. I'm going to jump on that. That's great. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I only have two left. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Another of your moments that I just that just really resonated with me, or just I just just really really stuck out was when you're talking about the happiness project and musical yeah. and, and and then and like Dr. Diana with a musical talking. Yeah, I was in the process of editing my own speech in the first CD that I produced called Musical Illusions and Paradoxes. And the first commentary has this phrase that includes sometimes behave so strangely. And I had it on a loop because I was wanting to soften the P's and soften the S's and so on. And I started thinking about something else and forgot about it. So strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. And suddenly it seemed to me that a strange woman had entered the room and was singing. Sometimes behave so strangely. Sometimes behave so strangely. It's really cool hearing how when you hear your phrase sometimes behave so strangely back in context, it seems like all of a sudden you're singing out of nowhere. The sounds as they appear to you are not only different from those that are really present, but they sometimes behave so strangely as to seem quite impossible. Yeah, like like the just those those two things kind of together. Um, I know, like the other one was like Pat Patterson. That it was during like he he had done something related to that. We're sad in minor thirds. We're happy in major thirds. We ask questions in fifths, don't we? Yes. When we're angry, we're in fifths. Uh, when we're really angry, but we know we have the truth, we're at octaves. And we threaten each other on the dominant function below the tonic. Don't you talk to me like that. Just the idea of the music being in the speech. And then, you know, I just got thinking about that being maybe related to, you know, the like Gregorian chant and just, and, you know, just all tying it all together and, it just seems it's such an amazing concept. And then like the actual happiness project, I think is somebody else like Charles Spearin. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the recordings from the happiness project with the, you know, the instrumental music after the fact um, accompanying these people being interviewed, it just, it, it broke my brain. It was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that guy. I asked him to be on the podcast, but I don't think I ever got a response. But maybe someday. Well, I love I loved his work. I, I still. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. 
I I don't know if this came up on the podcast or not, but I seem to remember hearing one time that someone theorized that our original talking was more like song, like a little more like monotone maybe than songs, but but now our I, I don't even know if this theory is true or if I made it up, but I think it's a cool idea that yeah. Originally, it started as song, and then our speech patterns got so advanced or something. Right. Well, as our vocabularies grew, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think all that stuff is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, going to ask you also what kind of stuff you'd like to hear more of on the podcast, and uh, maybe... Maybe the science side would be fun to get into a little bit more, too. I don't know. I haven't had a a psychologist interview in a while. I think I'm due. <laughs> yeah, I, I obviously am really digging that. Um, I love the relevant, or at least um, tangentially re- relevant, uh, a science and psychology and and stuff, and even like historical kinds of stuff. I mean, I guess like like touching on like the origins of human speech and music. I you've had some of that, and or like instruments, uh, like that yeah. stuff's so cool. I love I love that, and uh, it seems relevant and on point. And you know the you know the the journey of of music from the beginning. I think if you want to try to strip down to some of the basics or something like that, um, you know, like or try a different approach to writing music. I think that uh, that's very inspirational kinds of stuff. So I definitely like that. Um, I like your uh, music production segments. Love that. I, Sweet. I think more of that kind of stuff, I would totally dig that. Um, I, there are many times you've had guests on there where I kind of wished that uh, we could uh, see exact, see what they're doing or see, see them do their thing a little bit more because, you know, You've had a lot of guests that are just super, super skilled at lots of things that I totally am not skilled at. And um, like I've been, you know, interested in trying to pay attention. Like I haven't, I don't have a doll yet and uh, I'm trying to decide what to get. And like you talk about Ableton Live and so that's cool. And so I've thought about that. Um, I'm taking, I'm going to take a, a Coursera course on music production to um, learn a little bit more before I make a final decision, but um, nice. I think yeah, is that the music technology one? I think that's, that's what it's called. Yeah, it's starting up. Yeah, it's starting up this week or next week or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be in that. Well, by the time people hear it, yeah, this episode, right? It'll be just starting, so you could probably still get involved. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love Ableton, as I've said a lot on the podcast, but I don't know. There's, of course, a lot of people that expect you to know Pro Tools, like if you're applying for a job. Right. But, eh, <laughs> I don't know. I've never been that drawn to that. Fair enough. But there there are a few things that Ableton lacks that I really wish they would just do, but it you can't import XML files. So when you're working on like a film project, mm. you can't import the audio that someone would send you from like Final Cut Pro or <clears throat> Premiere or something. 
Um, so I don't even know if you would be interested in that side of it, but if you're doing film scoring, there may be some better options like Logic also is um, if you have a Mac, but I don't know. Are you a Mac or PC guy? Um, I am definitely a Mac guy. Okay. Yeah. I. What other ones have you been looking at? Because uh, well, I know there's some much, free ones too. Yeah, but. yeah. I'm not worried about the the free ones. You know, I have a day job, so I just I wanted to get like one tool that was going to be about the right thing, and then stick with that and kind of go all the way. You basically listed all the ones I was uh, most seriously considering, and uh, yeah, especially Pro Tools and uh, Ableton Live, um, and also looking at Logic and uh, yeah. I really what I like to do is reduce the list, not make it bigger. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I've made a decision. I'm not afraid to like, I'll just want, I want to get the right thing. I get it once. So I'm skipping over all the free stuff. However, obsessed, if I, if this was 10 years ago, then I would only be looking at the free stuff. Um, yeah. I was really into <laughs> the free open source and everything. And I, I would want to just plug everything together and have it all work from the beginning and not have to think about any compatibility stuff if I can avoid it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. I think my defining moment why I picked Ableton, because I had, I was working on a computer that had Ableton and Logic. Mm. And Logic felt exactly like GarageBand to me, which I really like GarageBand, but it didn't seem like something that would creatively be what I wanted to do with like uh, I see. electronics, live electronics, obviously that's why that's the specialty. Sure. But like being able to use a Nintendo Wii remote to easily control like any parameter that to okay. me was like, that was the selling point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Which I'm sure you can do in logic too, but maybe it's a little trickier. Clunkier. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for that top ten list. That's yeah. Well, I think I th- fun I think to hear. I, I think I only gave you nine. Oh, what's okay? Yeah, what's the top? Yeah. So, well, so this is the most random one ever, and uh, um, like I, people who know me probably won't be very thrilled that this is my favorite. But man, um, just completely random. When you had Prism House on. Oh, nice. Matt O'Hare gave that tip on how to do throat singing or that thing that kind of pushed him over the edge. Do you know, uh, Krusty the clown from the Simpsons, you know, that yeah. sound <laughs> that he makes goes, uh, you know, yeah. all the time. It's an amazing sound. Well, that sort of growl sound, if you can, um, kind of hit it, you know, just like, uh, and then you just sort of, uh, the way I imagine it is like, you just like push it down. So really it starts with a growl and then you like, you start to figure out where that little pocket is, where the growl can live. And then suddenly, like, you have, like, a... kind of sound. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, and then you start to play around with the harmonics, and that's where you start to get the overtone. So, and then, you like... Um... Et cetera. That's awesome. When it's run through pedals, it's like the greatest thing you ever heard. Oh my god! And then you like add in an octave below that. It sounds insane. Yeah. Ooh. 
you know, in the background, I was kind of interested in trying to figure out how to do throat singing myself, um, you know, not putting that much time or effort into it. But man, as soon as he mentioned that trick about Krusty the Clown. Krusty the Clown. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I needed. That was awesome. So oh, basically that sweet. day, like I finally made the breakthrough. Where I was like, oh, there's that lower octave. Boom. It was awesome. Wow. Sweet. <laughs> so you, you can overtone sing now? Um. Very, ba- sing, very badly, say. yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, but uh, I can totally do it. I can make, I can do uh, very clearly at least two different notes at the same time. Um, my kid thinks it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so. Oh man, could you? Do you think you could do a little demo? Of oh, that? I mean, it's, it's really bad. Are you sure? <laughs> That's all right. It'll probably sound even worse <laughs> through Skype. So <laughs> but, I just blame it on the Skype. Well, yeah. I'll see. Uh, I'll see what I can do here. <clears throat> so, like, as in t- as a typical for me, I can't do it the first couple attempts. But eventually, I kind of get in there and I find the pocket, and then I can get the overtone. And I'm sure I'm doing tons of stuff wrong. Oh, man, that's great though. <laughs> that sounds so painful to me. Like in my th- imagining me doing it, not <laughs> not your singing. Sorry. <laughs> well, trust me, it is painful, but just most my wife. <laughs> well, cool. That's awesome that Matt helped you out. <laughs> he, he really did. So yeah, when I go on walks, you know, by myself, and then that's when I'll when I practice that. If I'm not listening to and the uh, composer quest episodes <laughs> nice so yeah i mean i when i did vocal lessons i think like 90 percent of my practice time was dedicated to trying to do overtone singing and uh-huh. just like weird chanting and eh, huh. I, i'm not actually good at it especially not anymore but <laughs> yeah. i never took any voice lessons i'm i'm pretty bad singer um by myself i can blend in with a choir though cool so dan i wanted to talk about spider walk your your submission for the last quests um yeah because the idea was to write a string quartet that's themed around fall so yeah could you tell us the story behind your piece because i think it's pretty cool yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll be winging it here, but uh, first of all, the, the inspiration from for, for for fall or autumn, I thought that uh, there was nothing more autumn than Halloween. Love Halloween, and for Halloween, I mean, it's nothing more Halloween than spiders. And uh, so, with a spider idea, I wrote something that basically takes you on the the journey of one lonely bachelor spider's day just a day in the life of this spider so he gets up he does his regular stuff around his web he's tidying up and uh he longs to find some other you know lady spider and uh doesn't have much luck he goes he goes on his walk and along the way he he's you know alert and checking out for smells and sights of other spiders and actually eventually he catches a whiff of something and he finds 
this lady spider, it's great. He's so excited until they get talking and they, they chat and it's not going anywhere. It's, they're not really interested in each other. So he's pretty disappointed and continues on his lonely spider walk and heads back home, you know, to the old spider web. And uh, it's getting colder and darker earlier because to add insult to injury, you know, winter's on its way. That's, that's <laughs> a great backstory. <laughs> and when I told that at the concert, the performers, I don't think knew about it. So they, I think that instantly they were like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now. And then they get to perform it. Oh, so it, yeah, it turned out so well, though. I really like that. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. It's really neat that uh, I, I like that you uh, you told them the story, but not until after they learned it, but right before. They yeah, learned it. that's great. That's perfect. <laughs> yep. Compositionally going on there that you wanted to talk about? Well, um, I think it was my second or third attempt at uh, string quartet. So I had, been, you know, I made a couple of previous attempts. I was so excited when you chose uh, string quartet for that quest. And my first attempt was a fugue. I, I never wrote like with a formal form before, and so uh, I was trying to figure that out. And then after kind of getting deep into that with the fugue, I tried just writing something cool. And I, with, you know, with the string quartet, the, the other pieces that I wrote, I was all arco. And it's not, I'm not a violin player, was never really around um, orchestras. And so it just didn't occur to me, you know, to do other, use other techniques. But you mentioned in the, when you were announcing the quest, I think you demoed, you know, some of the different techniques and that inspired me to try different stuff and so immediately I wanted to use pizzicato and I, I didn't want to try everything because I didn't want it to be just like an obvious like I'm just experimenting with lots of different cool new shiny toys so I tried to exercise restraint so I went so I used the pizzicato and uh, I started off I, I wrote that initial um, like cello um, bass line and then when I needed to add um, the melody I decided to not start the melody on the first beat of the first measure of like my mostly squared off four measure chunks. And uh, instead of doing a pickup, I decided I want to be really lazy and come in later. So it's not the end of the first measure. It's um, like sometime in the second measure of the form that uh, I finally bring in the melody. So that was kind of an experiment there. And 
I don't know. I, I, really I like that. Yeah, I think yeah, there's something yeah. about that works. And then I tried to use the one idea instead of lots of ideas. So the the main like the, it's just a simple few note melody, and then I just hand it off to the uh, each different member of the string quartet eventually. I, I was thinking about, as I was listening to that, like how I've been kind of writing for performers lately too is a little bit like that. Like I try to give each person something cool to do at different points. Yeah. I don't know. That's like totally different than what I would do if I was doing an electronic track or something. Right, right. Yeah, like I've I've been in like saxophone quartets when I was in uh, like high school and uh even have sung in like barbershop quartets or barbershop choirs and uh, being in uh, different kinds of ensembles like that. Sometimes I think different parts can get typecast where like the lowest part always gets the long whole notes or they get the bass line. Um, like the tenor part always has that boring part with all the weird, awkward notes. Um, weird, <laughs> yeah. Weird, you know what I'm talking like, like, about? Yeah, I was, a, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So tenor. completely avoid that i wanted to to not do that to the performers i wanted to show that i cared about them <laughs> i'm sure they appreciated it <laughs> well dan it's been really awesome talking to you here um yeah, it's been surreal for and- me I, i've heard your voice so much and i've heard you say <laughs> so many of these exact same phrases i feel it's so weird to me that i don't have my earbuds in <laughs> yeah yeah it's i I had the same experience actually when I was the first podcast I ever listened to um was called Cognitive Dissonance and it was I just searched in iTunes for music and psychology and that was the first one that came up and those guys it's a couple of guys in Canada and I may have told the story in the podcast before I don't know but um yeah they <clears throat> they just put out like I don't know 20 or 30 episodes just random things and I felt like I knew those guys like those guys would be so cool to hang out with <laughs> um and I ended up like getting in touch with them and I they interviewed me on one show and it was just like really weird so I know how you feel awesome awesome <laughs> don't worry it's also weird for me too <laughs> well, you're welcome I'm just kidding no it is kind of weird that there's a bunch of people who I've never met before that have heard me talking a lot. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I know you, but yeah, but I'm just like some weird guy on the, on the other side of the Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. We'll have to stay in touch. Cool. Yeah. That sounds uh, great. But, um, so we have to challenge you here, Dan. I, I don't know if you're prepared or not, but we have to challenge you. To come up with an intro theme for this episode. 
It never crossed my mind. Uh, you, first, <laughs> when you mentioned the idea of um, you know doing the the interview, uh, you know you mentioned that maybe I'll just I'll be a part of like a bigger collage of other stuff, and it just never entered my mind that uh, you'd. Uh, Want me to I'd just, do the challenge? I'd trick you into it being an actual episode. Yes. Huh. You took my guard down and I was all relaxed, <laughs> fat and happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, uh, I won't back down from the challenge. Um, so, uh, all right. Nice. Well, conveniently, I'm sitting here at my keyboard. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since someone has done it live oops. on the air. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I, honestly, I, I wish that you got some of those psychologists to uh, to <laughs> theme song. sing a little song. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, I love the like you had the lawyers or whatever, and they they did something really good. That yeah, was, that was great. I'm so glad they did that. Yeah, that was cool. When you are feeling like you're gonna get screwed and you don't know what to do, you should call an attorney. Esquire, sir. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sarah Howes and Blake Iverson. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely enjoyed that. All right. So, so how much more, how much longer can I stall? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, so let's see here. Um, so normally my compositional process, at least recently, has involved me going into Finale and using my mouse or my finger on the trackpad and clicking on notes. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like before, I would write stuff on paper, and like I need, I, I, I probably should try writing at the keyboard. That'd be um, better, and that's what I'll do now. But uh, cool. let's see. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. You need to do something for a composer quest. So, can you hear that? Yeah. So, um, well, I mentioned I'm a terrible singer, so um, I'm going to go with that and yes. not sing. Oh. Oh, no, you want me to Oh, I thought up? you were going to just no, go. No, no, no. I'll, 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 that's all right. I'll, no, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I won't back away from anything. All right. That's the spirit. I remember when I didn't know who Charlie was, but then I found his podcast on iTunes. And now I know that Composer Quest is coming on tonight. So a little uh, that was world beautiful. beach, schmaltzy, cheesy, Mr. Rogersy. 
<laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> so peaceful. I just like. Well, it's late over here, so. Uh, I oh yeah. Figure kind of go with the uh, like subdued, laid back. Yeah. Relaxed. Belly rubbing music. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but the. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, well, Dan. It's been really fun, and if um, people want to get a hold of your music and your new website, new and updated, <laughs> by next week, I'm sure. <laughs> no. Nice. We won't hold it to it, but any links you want to give people? Yeah, yeah. This is like when I'm at the gig, and... People are asking for my business card. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should totally print out business cards. That's a great idea. Um, no, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to fix it. But uh, DanOnKeys.com. That's Dan on keys, as in keyboard.com. Nice. Not Dan and yogurt, not monkeys, just Dan on keys. Oh, yeah, it does kind of look like. All of those things. Donkeys. Right. Donkey. <laughs> I get donkey. Oh, that's not it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks again, Dan. And uh, have a good weekend. Good luck with your Halloween quest writing, too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely in. I can't wait. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Charlie. It was a, it was a great pleasure. Yeah. It was an honor. It was. Yep. See, talk to you later. See you on the radio. Yep. All right. See ya. Game bye. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Dan Wheeler. I just want to give a little extra props to Dan for coming up with that theme song on his first try. Sometimes I edit those a little bit to break out the dead space, but I didn't have to do that at all for Dan's. So congrats, Dan. Again, if you want to listen back to any of those episodes he talked about, go to composerquest.com slash top 10. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and have some suggestions on where Composer Quest should go in the future, just email me, charlie at composerquest.com. Because Dan was so enthusiastic about my music production lessons, I got the idea to create a little sub-podcast that would feature all my music production lessons so you don't have to listen back through whole episodes to find them. I'll make an announcement of that here on ComposerQuest, so stay tuned. If you're interested in writing some Halloween music for the Twin Cities trio, like Dan and I talked about, visit ComposerQuest.com Quest11 to learn more about that challenge. I won't be releasing an episode next week because I'll be on a massive road trip to New England, but... The following week, I'll release episode 100, which will feature a special mystery guest. And to pique your interest and give you a clue, here's one second of our mystery guest's music. So stay tuned to hear more than one second of his music. It's awesome. Once again, thank you to all my patrons who've been helping support the podcast. It really does help me stay motivated to keep going, so... If any of you out there listening are interested in helping support me by becoming a patron, visit patreon.com slash charlie. I'd really appreciate it, so thanks for considering it. Now, I'd like to leave you with a little more of Dan's string quartet piece called...
called Spiderwalk, which was performed by the Lux String Quartet. 